0: Hey everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Mike Adelic. I'm Mike Brancatelli. You're you. Today's guest is my good friend Adam Aronovich. This is his third appearance on Mike Adelic. Go check out his other appearances. They're all good. I really enjoy always dropping in with Adam. And today we talk about his uh, most recent project, Healing from Healing. Healing from Healing is a very popular Instagram page. He, it's uh as Adam puts it, a critical skeptical and humorous gaze at transformational and healing cult- uh, healing culture uh, not really a, a meme account, although he does use uh, some some memes and humorous images, uh, but also writes very thoughtfully uh, the captions to his posts each one carries a specific message and theme to it, and I find it to be a breath of fresh air, really. I mean, I've always enjoyed Adam's perspective and I'm really happy that he's putting it out there for more people to access. Uh, so we get into that. We talk, uh, we talk about what healing from healing is, uh, what are some of the problems, pitfalls, traps, uh, basic uh, you know, systemic type issues that are in the uh, healing and spiritual communities and all that good stuff. So, you're going to enjoy this conversation. If you do, leave us a rating on Spotify. You can leave ratings on Spotify now. Uh, So go ahead and click five stars on Spotify. That'll help us out a lot. And also, of course, on Apple Pods. Also consider becoming a mycadelic inner sanctum warrior, spiritual warrior of love and gaslight. (laughs) that's That's an atom ism that's an atomism right there but uh yeah we got we got a cool community of people and uh we do early release episodes ad free episodes intro free episodes so for example this podcast that you're hearing right now you will hear that on patreon and it uh won't have this intro that i'm doing right now it'll just be the conversation uh so consider becoming a a patreon member we call it the Inner Sanctum. We have a Discord channel, and uh, there's all kinds of uh, cool people on there. And big shout out to all of you that already support. Appreciate it. Also, if you're uh, a patron, you get a complimentary uh, Alchemy session, as I'm calling them, with me, and uh, we'll we'll dive into uh, we'll dive into that a little bit more. I kind of talked a little bit about my new offerings on the last episode. If you're curious about that, go ahead and check that out. And uh, thank you to our sponsor WaveBlock. Uh, I appreciate WaveBlock very much. There's uh, these little stickers that I put on my AirPods. I feel like there was a time where I wasn't, I didn't have WaveBlock stickers on, and I don't know, I I didn't really feel good uh, having my AirPods in. Imagine that, you know, having these uh, AirPods in directly in your ear holes. Uh, emitting the uh, radiation frequencies and whatnot, so I don't know. Is it is it that detrimental? Is it that much of a problem? Are we all gonna die? I'm not really I'm not really sure. But basically, I think they have a really cool product that's really affordable and it's not. Uh, it doesn't get in the way. They're just these stickers that you put on. I got one on the back of my phone and I got two. Well, I got you know a pair on my AirPods. Really not that expensive, and I the way that I see it is like, hey, why not? What do you have to lose? Twenty bucks, you know. Uh, especially when you put in the code Micadelic at checkout. So when you put in the code Micadelic, you get twenty percent off the wave block blocking EMF frequency radiation uh, from our electronic wireless devices that we all have in our pockets, near our genitals, in our ears blasting through our brain i saw a youtube video with a guy that had a meter and the meter started going crazy so i'm convinced plus WaveBlock is really cool and they're nice and they have a cool looking website and scientific studies to back up what they're doing and you know i think and uh, with all these in- innovations we we always kind of put the horse we put the cart in front of the horse on a lot of these things and then we don't find out till like years later like oh yeah it turns out actually. Asbestos isn't so good, or hey, turns out lead is kind of a problem. (laughs) You know, turns out smoking actually isn't that great for you. Uh, So who knows? I'm like, if you want to mitigate the risk, these are the best things to get because they're non-intrusive. They you don't even notice them. You just put them on your AirPods, you put them on your phone, and that's it. There's just a sticker, and it greatly reduces the potential harm of of these EMF frequencies. So. Check it out. Put in the code at 20% off. Consider becoming a Patreon member. Get in the inner sanctum. Get with me and the crew over there and dive deep on some cool shit. (laughs) That's my sales pitch. But just check it out. Look, if you're a fan of the show, you like this, you know what to do. Just share it. Tell people about it. We need all the, the help and support we can get because we're just a little independent caboose on the big train of industry trying to Stay relevant in the podcasting domain. And I think we're offering some really good conversations here. So I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, all the help and support, whether it's likes, whether it's ratings on Apple Pods or Spotify, whatever you do, uh, just know that I, I really do appreciate it. And uh, sometimes I, when I have the capacity, I, I reach out to people directly. Often I do. So if, you, if I see you out there leaving a review or leaving a rating or sending me an email, Also, feedback is welcome. You know, let me know what you think. Uh, Let me know what you think about the show. Uh, Let me know, you know, maybe what guests uh, I should have on the show or topics to cover or, you know, challenge some of the ideas that we're presenting on here. That's sort of the thing that we get involved with in the Inner Sanctum, and we're going to be having group calls soon, uh, so that'll be really nice, get everybody together and jam on some interesting topics. With that being said, uh, I think that's everything that I need to say. All the show notes, uh, all the show notes, all the links are in the show notes, show description. So, healing from healing, the website, uh, Adam's website, healing from healing, the Instagram page. Go find them, go follow them. It's great stuff, and um, go support Mike Adelic and check out Wave Block. That being said, oh right, uh, we have. Uh, Exciting things coming up uh, with uh, my organization, Tribe of Brothers, doing uh, masculine alchemy work, men's work. And uh, we got uh, some interesting stuff coming up with that. So if you're interested in that, please email me. Uh, you know, I think a lot of this stuff is tied together. A lot of what Adam and I are talking about really what we're doing is presenting a place that's comfortable for people to open up to the truth of who they are in community. And then support each other, and then also band together with each other to see where can we affect change as a group in our local communities. How can we help? And uh, you know, tending to the part of the garden that we can touch, because we can't do it all. We can't save the world, but we can uh, we can save a little bit here and there. And I think that that's that's worth it. So, yeah, check out the show notes, show description stuff. All right, without further ado, let's get in this awesome conversation with my good friend. Adam Aronovich, healing from healing. Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. I'm here with my good friend, Adam Aronovich. Welcome to the show. I hope I got the pronunciation of that correct. Did I, Adam?
1: Um yeah, I mean pretty much depends on depends on kind of what language you want to say it. If you want to go like the full Hebrew mode then you go ar- Aronovich. Aronovich. So you have to get, yeah, you got to get like the, the throaty ar kind of sound, Aronovich. Um yeah, but yeah, cool. you're pretty good.
0: Nice. All right, great. Yeah. Third time on the show. Um and uh now this will be the first time you're on the show, uh after Uh, I guess I don't know uh, several months maybe almost a year working on your your latest venture healing from healing which is a very popular Instagram page also a website
1: yeah I mean it's been um, it's been almost six months actually I mean a little bit more than six months we started I mean I started the page last fall yeah and yeah I mean it's grown it's grown very quickly very very surprisingly so
0: Yeah. So what was, what was your, what was the pull? What was the call to, uh, to create this? So, I mean, I think, you know, for the most part, I think the last few
1: years, particularly the last couple of years or since, since COVID and isolation and the way that things unfolded, um, allowed me or rather forced me to take a few steps back from the things that I was doing beforehand. I was very pre-immersed in what I come to call hidden culture, uh, which maybe I will explain later what I mean by that. But taking a step back or many steps back and starting really seeing the landscape from a different vantage point and realizing that there's many things that I was participating in and encouraging and in so many ways uh, endorsing that I felt... Somewhat guilty, I guess, and responsible then to actually rectify. Um, and you know, start talking maybe about things that weren't very popular in the discourse about healing and transformation and so on and so forth, but that I felt were very important. So yeah, I mean, mostly things about how we make sense of information, mostly things about how we make sense of non ordinary experiences, what is the role of Uh, epistemology in all these things. Right. And like, just like really like starting to have a harder look and dismantling many of the assumptions and dogmas that have become kind of commonplace and almost uh, sacred cows within transformation culture.
0: Yeah. Was there one thing in particular that really was, you know, kind of poking you where you were like, man, this is really, this is really something that's bothering me or that I see that's not quite right or something that needs some, to to have light shed on it could really be beneficial for this community.
1: Yeah, I mean there were a few things. Um I think like the, you know like the most prominent two things that I think were very very uh, important for me were Do you remember when this movie pandemic came out? Yeah. So This for me was a a massive kind of wake-up call because I saw it immediately and then like very soon afterwards I started seeing like lots of people talking about it and reposting it and it just became kind of these viral sensations and people were very critically absorbing all this information and regardless of what we think about what COVID is or isn't or mandates or vaccines and all the controversies and difficult topics that there are to talk about in relation to COVID, uh, that movie in itself is very bad. Like it's very poorly made. The arguments are very flimsy. um, And it's just so blatantly manipulative. (laughs) that it really hit me hard to see so many people that i love and respect uh just fall for that and spiral into a wormhole of you know not necessarily like only the conspiranoia that is kind of part you know like the bread and butter of healing culture in many ways but like that particular wormhole that was particularly bad yeah i mean there's a lot we can say about conspiracy culture i'm not here to like be a detractor of it. I think, you know, you and, ha- you and I have had the conversations about it and, you know, we agree on many things and we also disagree on some things. But I think everybody can agree that, yes, I mean, sometimes there are, you know, like powerful people uh, conspiring behind our backs for nefarious purposes. And that's always going to be true as long as we have the kind of systems that we have Mm-hmm. so this is not like a dad drive against conspiracy thinking in general or well you know alternative research but like that particular part of it so and that was coupled it was not only pandemic there were other things that came like very much around the same time in adjacent areas where, like the QAnon thing was kind of blowing up and then again like seeing like so many people in the yoga communities and wellness communities and plant medicine things and like even like just plant medicine people they were not only like talking about it but like advertising things in relation to things that they saw from like you and on groups about like the retreat centers and like how we integrated like these things were in like the work people were offering and it was just very discouraging to to see the extent through which these things were um, just intrinsic to many of the areas and, and communities that I was part of. Um, and I think like the, the the last thing that really hit me hard is you know the last few months that I spent in the amazon rainforest um the we I had some experiences that really highlighted for me some like really difficult aspects of what I was doing, yeah, particularly around a certain strain of narcissistic behavior and kind of thinking that arises with people that have been stuck in their own asses for too long and kind of having that gaze inwards and that narrative of doing the work and doing the work and doing the work and just stuck in that loop for too long and how toxic that can become when we're not able to take some distance from it and actually see things as they are in a more relational framework. And this is something that has been kind of brewing for a very long time. Um, You know, like just like the awareness that there is a sort of hyper individualistic, um, kind of like entrepreneurial vibe that permeates the plant medicine world and the hidden cultures that is very counterproductive in the long run. It's very, like it encourages a lot of navel gazing, a lot of self absorption, a lot of kind of narcissistic behaviors and just an outlook on transformation and healing that is very detached from what I think transformation and healing should be like. So it's kind of just a clusterfuck of different things that really brought me to, um, you know, like maybe articulate things in a different way and see what the response was like. And I think that's the thing that was very surprising for me in the beginning. The response was immediate and massive. So you know, like the page grew very quickly. And I started getting like a lot of feedback on it. The majority of it, like overwhelmingly positive, which, you know, is always a nice thing, but it's not necessarily something that, I mean, yeah, it's nice, you know, when people are, you know, give you feedback and like, hey, like, you know, whatever you're writing resonates with me and I really enjoy what you're doing, what's on so forth. But there was another dimension of it, which was a lot of people reaching out because they were going through really difficult times because they were harmed in different ways through the things that i was describing and articulating people that have been stuck for a long time in like really culty groups uh, culty plant medicine groups culty like pop psychology environments people that were being gaslit on a day-to-day basis by charismatic figures in the world of healing and transformation people that you know, like all sorts of different people who like, hey, like, you know, like, i like, really, really grateful for what you're putting out there because it's giving me a new language to think about these things and making me realize that there's many things that aren't ideal in my situation and things that I'm doing in the community that I'm part of. So, you know, the kind of, that was kind of like the main drive really to, to, to keep going. It was like, well, you know like there's definitely a sense that people appreciate it and it's an important voice so it's giving people the language and the courage to actually think about things in a different way and perhaps uh, you know we can we can figure out a way to reform the the narrative of you know how we address what healing is and and in a way that is not necessarily Self-absorbed, but it kind of like acknowledges the intrinsic nature of being, which is more interdependent. It's more relational. It's just as based on introspection and personal accountability and responsibility as it is in mutual responsibility and reciprocity. And kind of like giving people a perspective where they can start, like really analyzing not only like their own personal traumas and their own biographical difficulties and the things that happened to them, or they imagine things that might have happened to them. Uh, but actually other things, you know, loneliness and alienation and the way that our communities are almost kind of becoming non-existent and the erosion of social connectedness and the ways that, you know, a culture that is out of balance has an in, you know an immediate effect in how we feel and, you know, the health of the environment and its links with the health of the individual. So these other things that oftentimes get invisibilized uh, and made invisible on purpose, not only by kind of the Medical industrial establishment and the pharma, you know, psychopharmaceutical industry, but also in a long, in, in a lot of ways, also by, you know, transformation in healing culture and kind of the new agey strands that are very much still focused on the individual as a main unit of analysis. So, I mean, that's a lot already. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, I last time you were on the show, I think we kind of focused a great deal on because I believe you were on a panel giving a talk about working at the Temple of the Way of Light down in the Peruvian Amazon as an anthropologist with the psychiatry background um, and uh, what you observe there over your time being there and coming to the conclusion that a lot of the anecdotal uh, discoveries that you made from interviewing people, a lot of people referred to the the tight-knit bonds that came from community, right? So yeah, we touched on that last time you were on the show, but I think that you said something really important here uh, in terms of this project, Healing From Healing, and trying to um, invite people into discovering a little bit more nuance and maybe even some paradoxical um, ways of being in the world with this murky landscape. Because I think that it's almost unavoidable, or at least it's really easy to get sucked into the container that holds the culture. You know, I mean, we, 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 we talked about this quite a bit and uh, one of my favorite things to talk about, it's like almost unavoidable not to be shaped by the container, not to be shaped by the game rules that set out. And we live in a hyper individualistic consumption based capitalist global <laughs> oligarchic sort of culture here, which it's like, if you want to prosper within this culture and everybody is concerned about self-preservation that it it almost is sort of inevitable that even in the spiritual and the healing community, that we start to take on some of the um, attributes of, of the container in which we're playing in. So it makes it really difficult to sort of, separate yourself from that. Like, how does one even go about doing that? You know, I think a lot of people get into something, maybe they drink ayahuasca a couple of times and they're like, wow, I could really help people. I could make this a business. I could monetize this. I can, I can do all kinds of things. And uh, really they're not really thinking very much. Well, I don't know what they're thinking, but regardless, how do we separate ourselves from the culture that we're in and, and and go in a different way it's almost it seems really difficult to do
1: yeah it is very difficult <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's the podcast everyone. you hear your
0: you hear first it's hard and that's it yeah <laughs> yeah
1: well yeah I guess it's difficult there's no way around it um just to clarify i'm not a psychiatrist i i do have a background in psychiatry but not as a psychiatrist i work in psychiatric environments for many years uh, yeah. psychiatric hospitals, inpatient wars. So my background is in psychology, and more recently, medical and social, uh medical anthropology and sociology. Um, so yeah, I mean, what you mentioned, um, there's one there's one term that I that I define that I really like, which is uh trickle-down healing or trickle-down spirituality, yeah, you know, okay. which is All it's right. kind of yeah. like this juxtaposition of you know, one of the most more important neoliberal idea so like trickle down wealth you know the mm-hmm. idea that if you give tax breaks to the rich and you invest in kind of like you know the businesses of the billionaires then uh their wealth is kind of by default kind of gonna get trickled down to the rest of the people because they're gonna be able to give more jobs and there's gonna be more opportunities for everybody and if like the richest like echelon of people thrive then everybody else by default is gonna thrive there's a very very similar uh phenomenon happening within the plant medicine world and kind of in general kind of the entrepreneurial spirituality world which basically says something along the lines of like we don't really care about the peasants right like we don't really care about like uh serving ayahuasca to like just common people because they don't have much influence they don't have much power but on the other hand if you uh, if you attract like the movers and shakers if you attract the billionaires and the ceos and the people that have the actual influence in society and culture then you heal them and then you know they have the capacity to influence from the top down their organizations and their societies and and so on and so forth so and that's kind of like a idea that i've seen very well entrenched in this world right it's kind of like that drive towards uh, a sort of like psychedelic capitalism or psychedelic entrepreneurship that is like well you know, like we want to go straight for those people that have influence and power. Because if we manage, and it's kind of like, you know, the cliche, like, well, what would have happened if uh, Trump had drunk ayahuasca? And what sure, would happen yeah. if, if you gave Putin ayahuasca? And like, right. you know, people have like this intuitive idea. that like, oh, you know, like if the world leaders. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's a very neoliberal way of seeing things. Um, there's other ways of seeing things. It's actually like, you know from the bottom up, it's actually the people <laughs> themselves. like it is the peasants and the common people and the people who actually are you know at the bottoms of the hierarchy that have dealing probably with you know the most amount of pain and trauma and difficulties and hardships. and there's a a great need to actually kind of address that in a, a little bit more of a grounded socially aware way. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just one of the ways I guess in which you know this plays out in the sense of like that, intersection between spirituality and capitalism and neoliberalism and the ideologies that go with it. But, you know, I kind of mention? individual, like hyper individualism, it's kind of one of the attributes of, you know, like the dominant culture, like this idea that the individual is kind of the center of the world and our level of analysis and everything else is an abstraction. Actually, Margaret Thatcher said that once upon a time, she said like society is an abstraction. The only thing that matters, yeah. like the only thing that there is individual. Um, Which is ironic because, I mean, particularly in the world of Ayahuasca, for example, you're working with indigenous people uh, that have relational cosmologies and relational ontologies. I mean, if you really press them to say, they would probably say exactly the opposite. They would say the individual is an abstraction. And the only thing that there is, is a network of interdependent nodes of which you are one part. It's kind of like a completely different way of understanding parts for the whole. And I mean, you know, in the greater scheme of things, neither of those is true or false. They're both Mm -hmm. simultaneously true Mm -hmm. in different perspectives and different levels of analysis. It's just a matter of like, what do you focus and What do you prioritize?
0: Yeah. And that's hard to kind of wrap your head around as a, as a human being, I think, because we want one way we want to be on a side or a team that makes sense. It's kind of a simplifying, right? Like, all right, just, just, just tell me the way, just tell me the, Mm -hmm. the mode of being, Okay. That makes sense. And then I can justify it for what I'm doing. So, yeah, you're right. And then this is also reflected in the spiritual healing community. It's all about healing the individual. I need to heal me. I got to heal my things, my issues. Is that where you were kind of going with that? I mean, it's also
1: become a mantra in this kind of
0: environments, right? Like your own personal
1: transformation is the only thing that matters. Mm. Yeah, Like the best gift that you can offer to the world is your own personal gift, uh, your own personal healing and transformation. That's kind of like, you know, above the lintel as if it were the temple of Delphi. You know, like that's kind of <laughs> like the, the, the scripture of the oracle.
0: Yeah. Like
1: your own personal transformation is the only thing that matters. Everything else is secondary at best.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, you just you just posted about this transformation, right? Yes. Uh, something I've been thinking about a lot actually because um well, i there there's there's this inherent need in when you when you find yourself in the healing community in the spiritual community the enthe- entheogenic community whatever community of um healing yourself uh that there's this there's this sort of the same kind of and i think this is what you you wrote about a little bit too you touched on the the sort of mechanism of approach is a sort is still this like individualist capitalist mechanism of consumption where it's like i am i need to to be better i need to improve i need to get to a certain point i'm not good enough and then it all is just it's just all on you do you, yeah can you talk a little bit more about about the last thought that you had uh, put out there on transformation i mean you know like transformation
1: is an interesting uh selling point in many of these cases right like because you know like this, this is what kind of like, is that offer this is the aspirational part of the content it's like this is not only about you having an experience or, you know, it's about, like, literally, like, you becoming a different person, a different being. It's, like, it's not only about, like, your, about your healing, about certain things, like, a full-on transformation as a metamorphosis, it's, you know, like, you're, you're becoming, how many times have you had facilitators kind of, in some way or another, kind of go to the same metaphor of, like, caterpillars becoming butterflies and so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, when you stop to think about it and what it actually means, you know, like, I mean, sure, we do grow and we do heal and we do mature. And there's many things in life that, you know, I mean, we're not the same person that we were a year ago or two years ago or seven years ago and so on and so forth. And this is kind of like part of the natural process of life. But the extent of the transformation, that of person radically altering who they are and what their identity is, I mean, these are things that are very postmodern in my view. Yeah, like I personally think that, We have to be very careful in how we frame things that we're, you know, because then what happens is we might end up doing more damage than actually we're helping because we end up like spending a lot of resources, like just managing expectations. And this is something, for example, one of the good things I think that happened from Healing from Healing is that I started receiving a lot of inquiries that people that wanted to figure out like other ways that they can continue their healing path with a different framework because. Not, some, sometimes not only because they felt stuck because or sometimes because they felt like really manipulated or because they felt like they were, you know, still stuck in some ideal that was sold to them that wasn't really realistic and they wanted to kind of figure out what was it if it was like their problem or the framework they were given wasn't ideal uh, and I have had like conversations and sessions with lots of people who reached out to me because they were disenchanted or sometimes like downright like harmed by bad facilitation by unscrupulous coaches you know in the worst case scenario by like you know just like really toxic cult leaders and so on and so forth um and I think, like, one of, the, one of the main points or one of the things that a lot of people have in common is this disenchantment and this disappointment mm. with a sense of failure, of not really accomplishing what was promised to them, not really being quite transformed in the way that was, you know... Uh, uh, Proposed to them, or not quite really have uh, gone through like this incredible healing that they were advertised and they bought into. So, when you're advertising retreat centers or workshops or coaching sessions or plant medicine ceremonies or whatever it is, and you're saying, like, you know, like, come transform with us and come, like, become a different person and come heal, and like, you know, like sometimes a lot of these people are people that are in, in suffering a lot. A lot of these people are people that are in the last legs of. You know, they tried everything that there is in the market to deal with anxiety, to deal with depression, to overcome whatever limitations they have, and you know, because of like psychic suffering. And then, you know, it's not rare that people arrive to a ceremony or a retreat like, this is my last, you know, this is the last thing that I have, like, I'm on my last leg, this is the end of my rope. And if you don't deliver, you know, like, what happens then? You know, like, people are left worse off because. At least they had hope before that. And now even hope uh, it's gone. So, you know, there's there's a lot of kind of innate dangers in in overblown expectations and unhinged kind of like, just like false advertising in many ways. And again, like, you know, like both of us have experience in these things. So we know, yeah, yeah I mean, so a lot of people do get a lot out of it. And a lot of people, you know, do experience like an incredible change that you know like after many years of depression anxiety and trying many things they do kind of you know drink ayahuasca or eat a mushroom or do a session or something and they feel something new that kind of like leads them to an actual kind of like longer term transformation where they do feel that you know like this saved my life i mean this is a very common story right like oh well, ayahuasca saved my life or so on and so forth so i mean again i just kind of keep trying to go back to Finding balance in things. Yeah. I'm not kind of I think it's very important not to throw the baby with the bathwater. And the reason why we're talking about these things is because they are indeed very powerful and they are indeed very helpful. And they are indeed incredible tools that do have incredible potential to help a lot of people. But I think right now we're in a stage where we mainstream them, ayahuasca, mushrooms, LSD, like everything is on, you know, the popular media. There's books about it, like everybody heard about it, like there's a lot of hype about it. And now we're kind of like feeling the pendulum swing back into a sort of center. That well, I mean, for a long time these things were demonized for whatever reasons, they were pathologized, they were kind of excluded from the you know discourse about what uh you know tools and therapies we have for helping people who are in extreme you know suffering and for all sorts of different things. And then we kind of created this hype and we legalized them to some extent and decriminalize them in some places, and then you know, we're trying kind of trying to backtrack a little bit and figure out, oh, well, yes, but there's also risks involved. Yeah, this is not all golden. There's a lot of things that require a lot of attention to detail and managing expectations and having the insight and the capacity to say, well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of potential here for not only therapeutic aspects of it but also for money making and for reputation making and for ego aggrandizing ventures and all sorts of things that if we don't navigate very carefully we're going to end up doing more damage than we're actually helping people and I think what we're seeing now in the last couple of years at least at least in my circles is kind of like that uh, process of taking a step back and saying like okay well yeah I mean we knew these things were helpful we knew these things were you know, important, but also we kind of push them a little bit too soon and too quickly into a discourse where now it's become a little bit of a liability because we're not talking about the risks and we're not talking about the potential pitfalls and we're not talking about the potential traps. They're not only psychological, you know, but emotional and all sorts of different ways. So that has become one of the things that I do. You know, working with people precisely who went into psychedelics or went into plant medicines or went into all sorts of things thinking that this was an incredible thing to do and for whatever reason uh, found themselves worse off than they started, uh, whether because of, again, I mean, many of them because of like culty environments and like the catastrophe that is, you know, the kind of like social rebound that um you know, provides for people. Um, yeah. And all sorts of different things. So,
0: Mm. yeah. Yeah. I think that there's this tendency for humans to move towards something that's like new and shiny and promising and appealing and sort of rest in that place and not necessarily consider the ramifications or the unintended consequences that may come along with it because because everything does. I think there was so much hope for psychedelics and ayahuasca and and plant medicines. And, oh, this is the new thing. And like, all we have to do is just do this and then, yeah, yeah, integration, whatever. And, you know, we're good. But it's, um, I think that personally, I think that if you don't have a, a good practice of embracing reality as it is and um, if you don't have a support system of good community that you're going to you're going to drown a little bit you know that uh, that this it's not a, a panacea i mean certainly see this is the tricky part i think that it's like there's so much hype around this healing culture with entheogens that the the nuance gets lost where it's like hey hey what we're saying maybe is like, if you are suffering and you've been on SSRIs and you've got uh, a whole host of like side effects that come along with that, now you're on seven different kinds of medication because of it. And you're really not where you want to be. Maybe this could be a better option for you. And I think that people attached to that, I I imagine that maybe a lot of people attach to that as being like a holy grail kind of thing where it's like, okay, all I have to do is do this. I read Michael Pollan's book and now I know, you know, that there's a whole new world out there for me. Let me get into that. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of equating it also with just like the long history of humanity and how we have a tendency to run up the credit card and then go, oh shit, I forgot I got to pay for that.
1: Right. Right.
0: So, I mean, the way that I see it is that it's not necessarily... I mean, I think, like, the main issue or
1: the main problem is the framework that we give people. you know, the okay. way, the narratives that we tell about what these things are for. Okay. Right? And the narratives that we say about, like, how to use them, how are they, what are they for, you know, like, the, the story... I mean, a big part of the certain setting that oftentimes goes a little bit unacknowledged is the actual narrative, right? Like, because when you frame something in a certain way, you're priming a person to experience those things. I mean, you can see that, like, for you know, like uh with well, ayahuasca it's very easy to see i mean even, even just like the kind of metaphysical images and encounters with entities that people will have is incredibly influenced by why what story are you to- telling about it right like if you're in a rainforest and you're kind of like in a place where you know the plant spirit narrative is kind of very prevalent and like we, we were talking about it and they have dreams and they talk about this plant and how they show up and what they look like and what they told them and like what indigenous people like present about it and so on and so forth then it is very very likely that when a person has an experience that phenomenologically feels like they're in the presence of some external intelligence and they can like maybe have form and they are maybe communicating to them and they maybe have like a certain quality that reminds them of something like the world of meaning that they have to make sense of that encounter or that experience regardless of what the phenomenology of it is will be the story that we're telling about it so they're gonna interpret it in that way very likely right so they're gonna come the day after and gonna be oh i had like this experience and instead of like describing what actually happened they're gonna tell you this story about like this plant spirit that they met and what they told them and like what that meant for them and so on and so forth different environment like santo dime for example those are the same substance the end of the day they're kind of like drinking the same thing I mean really slightly different compositions and different intentions but You know, but the the cosmology, the ontology of of that particular group is very different. You know, it isn't necessarily about like mothers and owners of plants or plant spirits as well. It's about like, christian and catholic iconography and saints and virgins and maestros and so on and a person is going to have like the same i mean <laughs> speculation yeah well, it's very likely that a person will have a very similar experience in a phenomenological perspective where they have like this encounter with this intelligence that is telling them things and it feels very meaningful and they're giving them information but you know it's not going to be in the spirit of Obinsana, it's going to be you know the virgin mary because that's the world of meaning that they're drawing from in order to interpret what is in in its essence an ineffable phenomenological encounter. So, you know, and that can apply for everything. Whatever story you're telling about things, that's kind of create a framework through which people interpret what they're experiencing. So, you know, all of that to say that whatever framework we're presenting for people is incredibly important. Experiences don't happen in a vacuum. I mean, we tend to, you know, think, oh, like the plants have their own agenda and have their own spirits. And, you know, you never know what you're gonna get. Okay, to some extent, but also to a great extent, you know, we can predict things the, according to what framework people are being given. So the main narrative, the main story nowadays in healing culture is like, again, like the only thing that matters is your own personal individual transformation and healing. You have to look inwards. The inner gaze is the only thing that matters. You have to process your childhood trauma and like, you know on earth all of the different things that happened to you when you were a kid that are the origin of all sorts of different patterns and behaviors and like how why you are the way that you are because your mom didn't hug you enough when you were a child and you weren't given enough warmth when you were three and so on like everything draws back to kind of like a very simple explanatory system that is very psychoanalytic but highly individualistic mm-hmm. in its essence yeah. And that's an extremely unique new way of understanding what these things are that arises in that intersection between popular psychology, kind of new age spirituality, hyper individualistic consumerist ethos of neoliberal societies. When you look at, like, what is ayahuasca? You know, when you ask that question, you know, like you, you ask a Western person, oh, you ask us a medicine. Like there's no doubt about it. Like that's not even a question. Like people will get offended if you say something else, right, like, oh, it's a medicine. Like that's not a drug, that's not a substance, that's, not a, that's a medicine. So, you know, we have like this ongoing kind of like, very intense medicalization, which in my perspective is very unfortunate because it's very reductive. You know, like these things are so much more than just medicines in the sense that most people understand them. Because there's also like this idea that unless you're doing something that adds value to your life in a productive way, then you're wasting your time, right? Like you have to always be doing something.
0: Right. And I mean, that's got to be influenced by our culture, though. That's got to be influenced by sort of the the powers that Absolutely. be that set the game rules. because. You know, we could say to we could say out loud, proud and publicly, "Hey, this is medicine, and this is he- helping people, and this is healing." Exactly. And if we just focus on that, then that's okay, because who's going to deny that, right? Exactly. And I mean, that was
1: exactly the strategy. You know, the psychedelic renaissance kind of like adopted since very early on. It's so like, well, we're not gonna we're not gonna do the countercultural thing that people in the sixties, you know, we're gonna go through a highly medicalized channel where we're gonna make the argument that these things are valuable not because they're fun not because they're disruptive not because they're potentially revolutionary not because they increase our sense of empathy and connectivity with each other not because they enhance our creativity and gives us the programmers from like culture no we're gonna do that because they heal they help heal trauma And they help heal like all these different maladies of civilization, right? That are very, very, very specific.
0: Yeah, and And they can make you more productive as well because you're not going to be as you're going to be more, especially in the microdosing community, right? Like you're you're going to be a more productive and efficient uh, citizen worker.
1: Yeah, I mean our kind of dominant economic systems have that incredible capacity to absorb and appropriate anything that is potentially disruptive and revolutionary and repurpose it to its own ends that has happened pretty much with anything that has been good and you know and healthy and potentially disruptive it's like well you know we're we're gonna find a way to de it and de teeth it and kind of take away all the potentially tricky things and like resell it to the people as another commodity but it's not really dangerous or like truly disrupt kind of controlled opposition kind of mentality right like i mean Mm. we can we can still incorporate this in a way that doesn't really threaten the status quo and that's exactly what's happened and what's happening with ayahuasca with plant medicines is a continuation of that trend where the medicalization narrative still plays out exactly into the hyper individualistic kind of like neoliberal mindset where you know like we're just gonna like address our anxiety and we're going to address our um, depression because we have this plan it's kind of like a huge band-aid that you put on basically so you can go back to whatever life you were living before that go back to work resume productivity and you know like just like you know increase your quality of life obviously i mean that's a very valuable thing and i mean nobody's Mm -hmm. arguing against the need for better options for people that are suffering from anxiety or depression or also different neurotic or You know, psychiatric issues, which can be extremely debilitating. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but by the end of the day, you know, when we reduce these things, whose potential is. Much wider to a medicine, and we call them medicines, and we push the narrative that this is a medicine and that this is a healing process, and so on and so forth. I mean, how many times have you heard in these environments like, "Well, we're not here to for tripping; we're here for healing," right? Like, we're not here to trip. Like, we don't want here just like psychonauts tripping. We want people here who are really committed to the healing work. But I right. mean, I get the sentiment; right? it's an important sentiment, but it's also a very misguided one. Sure. Let me yeah. Tell you something. Yeah. Some of the most important significant experiences that i ever had with psychedelics that were really truly transformative yeah happened in a fucking dance floor yeah with two tabs of acid in my body dancing (laughs) my ass off For twenty hours straight in the function one speaker, yeah, and like just having like (laughs) that kind of ecstatic experience of like ultimate fun and ultimate bliss, and having like people around me who are like bringing bowls of water, and this other person is bringing me a fucking acai bowl, and I'm you know like so attuned with the music and like just having the best time in my life and having this ecstatic experience of like holy fuck, like this is like incredible,
0: right? Yeah, well, you're not a good Um, puritan you know no. <laughs> i am
1: not but i saying, like you know like there's there's room for all of these things right this is like a you know one of the points that i oftentimes yes like we, we need to create a framework that doesn't like that doesn't like demon like demonize or diminish from the importance of what these substances can be outside of you know the medicalization framework that we can still make room for understanding that in their essence, these are much more than just tools for introspection and tools for unearthing, whatever fucked up thing happened to us when we were children. I mean, there's so much more scope to what these things can provide. And I think like the most important part of it is that the most important things actually are not the individualistic ones, are not the introspective ones or the insightful ones or so it's actually the relational ones. I think like, I mean, at least in the sense of like my perception of how ayahuasca, for example, is so important in amazonian communities is because they see it primarily as a relational technology it's a social community-based technology that is not about like people i mean amazonian people i mean you see them they're not reading like books about self-growth and like how to whatever <laughs> i mean they're they're much more interested in maintaining relationships healthy and they're much more interested in like not necessarily like having like this individual you know, over a lot of experience, but like ayahuasca in traditional communities for the most part has always been used kind of this relational setting where it's like, you know, it's not about me and my process and, and you know, me, 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 but actually it's like me, how am I embedded within this group of people? It's me about how am I embedded Within this network of people, and you know, more than human people, with human people and the bird people and the tree people, the whole medical system is based around that idea that illnesses never happen in a vacuum. There's always somebody else who made you ill, and the only reason, well, the main reason for that, is like you infringed like a norm of reciprocity. So ayahuasca is that which can help you realize, oh, I fucked up with the wrong tree, or I stepped in the wrong part of the forest, and I kind of, you know, whatever it is, but. The relational, right? Like they the, they they are meant more than more than in the way that we usually use them in hyperindividualistic and kind of Western setups. They are meant to really highlight the importance of this eco-social awareness. Ayahuasca is primarily the tool that allows people to be well embedded within these different layers of being, which is individual, communal, social, cultural, environmental, and to highlight where the these encounters, where the, the ruptures, where the short circuits are in this great network of interdependent relationships so it enhances social coherence it maintains the harmony in the balance it allows communities and societies to kind of like keep each other always in check so we don't really have that in the same way where we do the opposite like we allow individuals to just like run rampant and become kind of like this yeah
0: yeah 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 totally i mean i, I i'm thinking of um you know how nature operates, and I'll I'll take ourselves out of that equation for now, just to draw the analogy, because I believe that we're a part of nature, not separate from it. However, yeah. we act as if we're separate from it, but um, you know, it reminds me very much of like restoring balance and uh, to an ecosystem. You know, if, if there's if there's an issue in the in in a particular part of the land, say like uh the swamps of Florida or something, there's like uh you know the they there's a not enough fish for the whatever the deer to eat or something, right? I don't do deer eat fish, no, they don't eat fish. Really. The bear, there's not enough, <laughs> uh, there's not enough uh fish for the bears to eat, and uh, and therefore, you know, there's a problem with a certain kind of uh, over vegetation or something like that, right? Because what I'm trying to get at, and maybe you understand better, draw a better analogy here, but the point is that it's not isolated to one thing that it's all, it's all interconnected. And, uh, and, and that seems to be the major issue is that we, and, and even with, you know, psychedelic companies and things like that, people wanting to isolate particular um, chemicals and, and just say, Hey, this is going to be like the trip without the trip. And it's going to do the job for you um, to make you better, to make you fit in more to the, Game that we got going on, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe comment on that if you like, and then I got another question for you.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, that's you know, that's that that's 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 it. That's it that's what it is it is like that interconnectedness and i think you know there's you know i will, oftentimes like I, people will ask me like oh what is ayahuasca what is ayahuasca for like well you know anybody who tells you a straightforward answer what is ayahuasca what is ayahuasca for they're either lying to you or self-deluded i mean you know who fucking knows it's a mystery it's like a, it's a doorway to you know probably the most mysterious realms of experience that a person can encounter so but you know like i think like there is one probably like one experience or one lesson that I personally feel has been the most important to me and I think it's the most important for most people particularly people that are living in disenchanted western capitalistic materialistic consumerist societies which is precisely that deep felt experiential knowing of interdependence when a person experiences themselves as you know not being an isolated individual uh with this kind of solipsistic outlook in the world where everybody else are just like actors playing out in my scene but actually like i'm just like again like this node in a network of interdependent relationships that demand by their you know inner nature uh, a practice of mutual responsibility and reciprocity and then knowing that you know when we comes down to the actual facts of things like you know like the idea that a person is like exclusively and individually responsible for their own well-being is a fallacy because we know that not to be true you know i mean yeah we can do a lot to feel better you know we can kind of do changes in lifestyle we can go to therapy we can eat better and exercise and you know but there's a limit to how much can we do you know to really increase our sense of well-being and healing when the very structures that we inhabit are rotting right mm-hmm. like You know, if our community is out of whack or if if we don't have community, which seems to be like the default state for the majority of people living in Western cultures, particularly North American societies where consumerist systems have been bent on eroding every sense of mutual kinship, you know, creating that vacuum that can only be filled with consuming bullshit we don't need or want. But, you know, um, you know, when that's the default, it's very difficult to really feel good because we even if we don't see it or we don't feel it or we don't realize it like the loneliness will have a massive impact we can grow as much as we can as individuals we can read books and meditate and, but if we're not well embedded within a network of you know various and di- diverse um, intimate non-sexual non-romantic relationships with a lot of different people as we are supposed to be as social mamas so whose limbic system is attuned to other you know, being (laughs) feel empathy and like we mirror each other and we, you know, if we don't have that, which again, is like 90% of people in the West don't have that, then it's going to be very difficult to really be healthy and happy because there's a crucial part of who we are that is completely missing, which is that sense of shared togetherness with other people. Now, if the cultures that we are part of are completely i don't even know what to call it but you know like a culture that doesn't really feed you anything of value what keeps feeding you bullshit entertainment 24 hours a day
0: yeah wherever i call where it every, the uh fake plastic tree culture yeah
1: from a radiohead song right? yeah where every piece of art is in fact an advertisement you know it's very difficult to remain healthy in that kind of environment because people need art and people need to be you know, exposed to stimulation that is intellectual and emotional. And, you know, but nowadays it's very difficult to really get that because again, like everything that we call art for the most part is is, an, is a veil advertisement, is a product placement. It's a content. bunch of, yeah, it's content. Everything yeah. is content. So, you know, like what actually is happening instead of people like being, exposed to things that stimulate them and make them grow as people we're being exposed to messages that basically are telling us if you don't buy this product or this service then you're going to be more unhappy and you're never going to look like those people in the ad they're like drinking wine together and smiling and you know you know you're never going to get that girl because you don't have the thing that she wants you to have and like did like this constant loop that reinforces our sense of like inadequacy over and over and over and over i mean when the main message that you get every single day of your life is like you're not enough well i mean is there any wonder that the main issue that most people have in the west like that sense of inadequacy that lack of self-love like that kind of like well lack of self-trust i mean that's the message that we're getting every single day thousands of times a day environments are easy right like i mean the environmental aspect is probably the easiest i mean if the food that we're eating is unhealthy and the water is dirty and like we're not being nourished i mean you know so but these intrinsic links between individual health social health cultural health environmental health uh you know this medical industrial complex and kind of like the neoliberal system as a whole spends so much effort in making those links invisibles because they want to put the locus of the responsibility in the individual it's like hey like we know that 96 percent of all global warming and ecological collapse is due to you know corporations fucking up the environment but we're gonna shame individuals for taking showers for too long or not recycling you know? it's kind <laughs> like a similar it's a similar mindset
0: right yeah and it isolates the individual as well yes it's very isolating and and yeah um There's And then through that isolation, there's a loss of meaning in life and uh, also disconnection from from empathy, right? Because now it's all about what can I acquire? What can I gain? How can I improve myself in this vacuum that's not real? It's this artificial consumerist pipeline uh, to keep the machine running. So with all this pressure put on the individual... Facing this giant machine, this world devouring monster. It seems to me that the individual has to. The individual has to come to some kind of realization that this is happening and then take action as an individual to try and be a part of a a different story. how, How does one go about doing that? Uh, when we're so when we're so bombarded with all this other stuff that it makes it almost impossible to see other avenues.
1: Yeah I mean that's the million dollar question isn't it like we, we identify the problem with how you know like how, what what is the prescription then um I mean I know I know you're I know you're fond of Charles Eisenstein right and like this kind of like line of thinking of like you know that like we need a new story like moving out from the story of separation and so on. And I think like you know like that's um there's a lot of truth in that i think that we do need to have very mythologies and we do need to come up with different frameworks through which we make sense of experiences that are more aligned with the reality of being in this world like all of the not, i mean not all of them i don't want to be like totalizing but like the majority of stories that we tell about our place i mean who we are and what our place in the world are very detached from what i think many people Feel intuitively to be more true, again, which is like much more sh- about shared togetherness and interdependence, and about that kind of like way of being in which we're all mutually responsible for each other in a sense. And like that idea of like the self reliant, independent person that's kind of like become the American dream, right? Where everybody's so you know, push towards like that self-fulfillment and entrepreneurship and like, I'm going to be independent and I'm going to be self-reliant and I'm going to be, you know, there's so that, always that's like this... the
0: dominant story you're saying. Yeah, that's that's kind of like story. the bullshit dominant story of like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Like you, you got this, hustle and grind, make it happen, that kind right. of story. Right. But the real story is... I
1: mean, the real story is that it's a fantasy too, right? Because nobody, by the end of the day, is self-reliant and nobody is independent and nobody can, you know, like survive or thrive without like paying attention to the millions of different ways in which we're constantly depending from each other. I mean, if you think about like, just like the very basic things, it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter like how much wealth you have hoarded, you know, there's going to come a point where, you know, if you can't produce food or if you can't like figure out how to clean water i mean there's so many things that we are dependent on on chains of supply and work that we have so little awareness about you know like the 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 dependence that the modern individual has on millions of other people doing all sorts of different works and things moving around the planet just to get like a fucking strawberry in the supermarket is (laughs) mind-boggling
0: yeah yeah there's actually a great video on youtube where a guy sets out to make a sandwich from scratch, yeah. and he and he it takes him it I think it costs him like six hundred dollars to make this sandwich. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So, but you know, Wait, but hold on, hold, could...
0: hold that thought for a second. Can you? Yeah. one one second. I'll be right back. You <music> were saying the uh, um, the individual versus the yeah.
1: Right. So, I mean, we're talking about, like, just how mind-boggling, like, post-industrial world has become, and the illusion and fantasy that anyone in this world can actually be self-reliant and independent, and kind of, like, that's Drive, that's always priming all stores, like, a greater sense of, you know, just... Detachment from each other. I mean, you know, I, I think like, you know, the doggy world, dogged dog kind of world, like uh, extreme forms of competition. I mean, there's some environments where that is more felt than others, but it's very discouraging when you start feeling that in spirituality and plant medicine too, right? Mm-hmm. Where people start like comparing, like, oh, that person is not doing their work, like that person is not healed enough, like that person hasn't like dieted enough. And you know, like, I, I got so much of that in kind of like the fishbowl that i was part of for so long and like mm-hmm. refusing to participate in that kind of like competitive healing you know like <laughs> that I, actually a new term probably that is worth describing competitive the healing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like you're gonna be like the, the Kobayashi of competitive healing, just like
0: eating hot dogs <laughs> on the Nathan's funny island. You know? Except that yeah, except the hot dogs are like the infinite stream of trauma. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: how many, how many, how many diets have you done? Like, how many ayahuasca ceremonies have you participated in? Like do you manage to like I mean how many, you
0: know, is it just like
1: this, this I mean, there were like there were like a few situations where during the last stretch that I spent in the jungle, there were a few experiences that really illuminated this for me. Mm-hmm uh in a very tangible way. And I haven't really like talked about it. But yeah, they were talk about it. They yeah. were they were powerful for me, right? Because um during the I mean there was COVID was happening, the pandemic was happening, there was like a lot of shit going on and going around and we were kind of like barely like holding our shit together. Um and you know like people were very eager to drink ayahuasca and you know I was like I mean whatever there's a lot of things happening as it is and we're dealing with so much stress I don't know if like ceremony for me would be ideal because that's not necessarily what I need right now Uh, Mm -hmm. you know people were like oh come on like it's like we need to go together whatever and I did and then you know there's oftentimes kind of this moment where people set intentions and everybody's like well I want to like work in this and I want to like discover that and I was like I just want to throw up and get a good rest <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah which for me is an incredibly valid
0: intention for a fucking ceremony. sure of course you know? especially for the purga. yeah
1: yeah um yeah i mean in indigenous amazonia right like the actual name of ayahuasca in all sorts of different indigenous groups actually translates to the purge when purging is a primary reason why people actually want to drink ayahuasca because it yes. keeps them healthy physically emotionally spiritually Throwing up is why people would go to ceremonies many, 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 many times. Oh, know? yeah. Uh, but as a Western person who is supposed to be doing his work, who is to be, supposed to be like constantly monitoring my internal states and always having my emotions and feelings in check and discovering like peeling off new layers of the onion of my mom, not hugging me enough. And what happened to me when I was a child? And why am I the way that I am? And why am I fucked up? Because those things honestly, like this constant competitive kind of like healing. Uh, And I remember, like, just sitting there and being like, I want to get a good rest and throwing up Mm -hmm. and getting dirty looks, dirty looks from people. And then the day after, uh, you know, when we do the integration and so on and so forth, getting like, like, (laughs) I got like, I got called out. I was like. Uh, for a person in your position, um, you know, like having an intention that you just want to like sleep and throw up is responsible. And what? I'm not like, are you fucking kidding me? Like how you expect, what, I mean, what are you expecting me to do when I actually live in the rainforest, when I have access to this pretty much unlimitedly, when this is not necessarily a special occasion, which again, has a lot to say about like consumerism and kind of like that mentality of like, well, it's available, so why not? which seems to be extremely dominant and prevalent in this kind of environments, but actually, mm-hmm. you know, my view is very different to that. And I mean, it was like that, maybe the first year or two years that I lived there, but you know, the more that I was there, I like, the more that it, you know, I kind of gained some respect and some distance. And I was like, you know, like, maybe this is not something that I want to do every weekend. <laughs> like, this is right. just not <laughs> not that kind of activity for me. Um, But, you know, I just, I realized that there was a big disparity in the expectations of the collective, what, what I should be, doing or what should be my intention right and what my actual intention was which is i want to get a good night's rest and i want to throw up
0: you bastard sacrilegious
1: Uh, that that was not an isolated incident that was just the one that really kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back when i realized that there was something very toxic in the dynamics of how we approach what healing means and what growth can be and what kind of framework are we providing for the use and oftentimes abuse of these substances. Yeah, I mean, there's kind of this idea that maybe because psychedelics are not addictive or plant medicines are safer, then, you know, there isn't really a potential for abuse, but there definitely is. And I think a lot of that abuse is not necessarily like physiological addiction or any of that but it's definitely like a like an over attachment to healing culture and that kind of like twisted appreciation of what life is about where a person's life becomes basically a project of the self and people become entrepreneurs of their own growth and the only thing that matters is getting to that next layer of the onion and peeling another layer and peeling another layer and like everybody's life has to gravitate around that without respite without like the ability to say actually i want to take a step back from this because and actually after i left and i spent a few years like doing other things and like to this day i'm having a really hard time actually writing about it like i have shitload of uh interviews to to transcribe and a doctoral work that i need to finish and it's just become really really difficult for me to do that because i feel like physically sick sometimes when i start thinking about it um, Mm -hmm. too much and i feel like like that distance was incredibly necessary for me to actually be able to gain the right perspective like i was too much immersed and too deeply and heavily invested in something that ended up not being healthy for me Mm -hmm. and having Mm -hmm. the right distance for it kind of allowed me to actually see why and understand what was i mean again like i don't you know i have nothing but appreciation and love For most of the people that I met in the last four or five years and the institution and the opportunities that were offered but I do have a lot to say not necessarily about the place itself but about the culture of which it is part and the values and ideas that it perpetuates and in a sense kind of champions yeah and I think this is not necessarily about that place at all or the people in it, but something much larger that is a cultural movement that is kind of like a social movement that is really out of balance in relation to understanding what is the role of individual healing and its relationship with the collective.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and this this attachment to, the attachment to the idea of something being on an altar of the sacred and you do not disobey oh, yeah. that, that to me, as soon as I sense that out, I know that I'm not in the right place. Because if you, can't, if you don't have a sense of humor, if you don't have a flexibility, then you're mimicking the dominant culture and its rigidity. Right. And, and, and what good is that? And then as you were talking about, it's onions all the way down, like you are just getting trapped in another carrot on the stick, which is you are never going to uncover the infinitesimal, unfathomable amount of things that shaped who you are today. And you can go on that journey and coaches and therapists and whoever are, are, our facilitators are happy to take you there as long as you keep paying for their services. Right. And, 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 um, it's yeah, it's uh as Cho Young Trump has said, like everything can be converted to ego's use. And c- certainly this is not above that. You know, this yeah. we're right smack dab in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think I think there's something more insidious than than the economic aspect. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think like you think there's there's something you think that there is something more insidious than the economic? Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't think the economic incentives are the most important for other people. I do think that there's something rather unique, let's say, about, you know, the ayahuasca scene, for example, where people who go into it as entrepreneurs are not necessarily absolutely driven by money. Yeah. Okay. It may be a lot of embellishment in the narratives that they tell, and there may be like all sorts of different distortions and so on. But, you know, by the end of the day, there is a sense of purpose, right? Like the, like people... Savior,
0: complex, ego, Yeah. yeah power.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that. And, you know, some of that also, like, perhaps genuine to some extent. It's like, I did something that really helped me and I want to offer that to other people. You know, in the most basic sense of things, like I want to be of service, you know, to others about something that was helpful for me. I think there there is an element of that. I think that pretty much has to be there uh, if a person really wants to, like, you know, kind of take an enterprise of that magnitude. But yeah, I mean, all the other things that you said definitely will also be there. Uh, but I think, like, you know, like, like the main failure really is a, is a philosophical failure. It's a failure of framing things in a certain way, right? It's, like, it's a failure of understanding what humanity can be or what is, like, you know, kind of like an existential question. So what is life about and what is a person about and what is, like, the meaning of life in some extent, yeah? And I think, like, there's something about, like, healing culture that provides that for people in the same way that religions would do right? On the same way that, you know, the nation state would do, right? Like, I mean, if, you know, if you think about like the history of like meaninglessness, um You know, like religions always have kind of like that thing, right? It's like, well, I mean, this may be out of whack and completely incoherent because who the fuck knows what actually happened. <laughs> we're telling you a story that doesn't make any sense. But at the very least, you can come to worship every week with a lot of other people, so you can have a sense of community. And also, you don't really have to think too hard about meaning of things because we're giving that to you, right? So as long as you go along with this crazy metaphysical nonsense, at the very least, you get the comfort of community, and you get the comfort of like some sort of certainty about existentialism so you don't have to think about that mm-hmm. and i think like that's, that's a trade-off that a lot of people do right it's like well i mean i don't know if this makes any sense you know virgin birth or like prophets talking to burning bushes or whatever the fuck that is but at the very least you know you get you know that you're part of a group that you're going to be taken care of to some extent and that if you have existential questions and they will be provided for you to the best of their ability and i think healing culture in a very real sense kind of like takes on that role for the disenchanted world of kind of like postmodern millennials and, you know, other people who kind of like realize, well, I mean, religion doesn't really provide that for us anymore um you know and the other narratives that maybe provided that for our fathers don't make any sense to either right like there was kind of like, you know religion kind of like faded and then there was a nation state and they were like well you don't want to be a good christian but perhaps you want to be a good patriot and you want to go and serve your country and fight and like you know be a good soldier and people were like all right well let's try that maybe that can give me a sense of purpose and i can fly my f- <laughs> i can fly my flag and like you know put kind of stamps in my car and like feel happy about it and, well, yeah like, well maybe that, that isn't that is isn't ideal either so you know what's next and then and kind of like capitalism came along, and they were like, "Well, you want to win at capitalism, and you want to be like the monopoly guy who buys everybody else out, and you hoard money, and people look at you and respect you, and you have a house in the Hamptons and 400 cars, and you know." like, well, well, "Let's try that." And people are like, "Well, let's do that. Let's become billionaires and like win at the game of capitalism." And you know, a lot of people did that, and then they kind of like looked back and like, "Well, yeah, we're still not really happy. And like that kind of like didn't hit the spot either. Like we don't really have a lot of sense of meaning and purpose." So you know, maybe that's not it either. And then, you know, like we have kind of like modern developments, right, like more in the form of kind of new age spirituality and self-actualization and personal growth. And like, well, maybe what you want to do is like work through all of your trauma and like polish your personality and kind of like decorate the masks that you wear with other people. So, you know, you present yourself in a certain way and it's all very performative, but also, you know, it's kind of like a narrative that makes sense to a lot of people and kind of like Western neoliberal, like hyper-individualistic postmodern environments where everything is about identity right it's like well you know like i want to be perceived as such and such and you know i want to recover like that side of who i am and polish those others so i think healing culture is stepping into that role in a very good sense right like we're going to give you this great narrative where the moral imperative is for you to heal from all your trauma and grow as a person and do all of these different workshops and do all of these different kind of like large group awareness interactions such as landmark and so on. So you can like really dive deep into the source of the trauma. <laughs> so it's kind of like this endless... Again, like because you know, by the end of the day, this is endless. This is never end. It's like mm-hmm. what you said. It's an onion that has infinite layers. There's always gonna be another layer of the trauma. It's gonna there's always gonna be another thing that happened to you. Why? Because life is fucking hard and life is inherently <laughs> fucking painful, and life is inherently traumatic, and there's always gonna be a partner that's gonna leave us, and there's always gonna be a family member that's gonna die, and there's gonna be an illness that we're gonna have to struggle with, and there's always gonna be more and more and more grief and more and more pain and also joy and also beautiful things, but we're never gonna get to a point we're like oh like we're fully healed and we're fully happy and life is perfect and that's kind of like an ongoing process where there's always going to be something it's always going to be that carrot dangling from the stick you need to do your work you need to you know detach yourself from that attachment and you need to um and that's obviously a fantasy yeah you know, it's an illusion right so you know there has to come a point where people kind like of realize that and say like it doesn't matter how many fucking workshops and retreats I do or how many ceremonies I attend or how many weekends at landmark and different like advanced groups I do. And, you know, it's going to come a point where I have to just like stand up and say like, you know what, like fine I, I i acknowledge that i'm a human being in a world that is inherently traumatic that's inherently painful where yeah i do my work to some extent i maybe get, went to therapy i tried to the best of my ability to heal my family relationships so i have like that sense of kinship i invested time and effort into creating community where it is it i live i kind of you know the gardening so whatever it is and i'm ready to participate in life fully right with one eye maybe still kind of like somewhat inwards but maybe one and a half eyes outward and start caring about other people and start doing things for others and start you know like realizing that i'm not the center of the fucking universe and that my hero's journey leads back to the fucking ithaca and that I, you know after i kind of get my <laughs>
0: the fucking ithaca, you know yeah <laughs>
1: treasures and slay the dragons and rescue the princess there comes a point where you have to come back home and share what you found with other people and be of service to other people in a way that is genuine in a way that is not performative in a way that is not just kind of like fitting into that same story of you know whatever it is that healing culture is trying to tell you so you know i think like that's kind of like the shift that i would like they kind of you know, kind of like long-winded response to you well, that's but great
0: like- i mean that's wonderful i love everything that you said and i and it, it, it it's making me think of like all the times that I personally feel the best, well, not, not all the times, but the majority of the time when, I, when I'm feeling the best is when I actually did something to contribute to help somebody or something, some, that it makes you feel good. I don't think it's, it's, it's uh, some grand mystery that, uh, that when you help other people, when you do good, when you participate in a helping way, whatever it is, that you feel a little bit better you feel a little better because we're inexorably connected and, and there's some kind of mechanism there that goes, you know, I mean, if you're an incredibly selfish person and all you want to do is feel good about yourself, go volunteer somewhere, help out some, and make a, make a difference. Like the, the perspective that you can gain by being around people that have it worse than you. And then you actually contributing to help them um, feels good. You know, and don't do it performatively, you know, but genuinely, you know, I think. And um, yeah, it's interesting as you were talking about, you know, how we've how we've shifted and like, oh, maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll do that. Like that. There... <laughs> Campbell says that, like Joseph Campbell says, you could always identify what the culture values by the tallest buildings in the city. You know, so at first it was like the church was the center point. You know, then you have the government building, you know, nowadays it's the, the corporate skyscrapers, you know? So I don't know, I guess maybe we, we also look like if there's a giant Maloka in the center of a city, maybe, maybe that's not a good sign. I don't know. Uh, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing because wherever you go, there you are, wherever humanity decides to plug into, we bring all of our humanness with us. And, um, Yeah. So, so this raises the question then of acceptance versus transformation. It sounds like that rather than this, the preaching of like transformation and reinventing yourself and healing yourself and digging in and digging in and digging in and that continuous endless thing that becomes an industry which then needs to perpetuate that, uh, the the modalities in which they're engaging in to keep the industry alive and afloat, right? Like I always think of like self help books. It's like, well, if these books were actually really doing anything, then people would just wouldn't need them anymore. But there's a whole industry of people that continue to attend Tony Robbins talks and summits and. Obviously, we know why it's because the sense of community, you can see the same people there, you're, you're invested in something, there's a sense of purpose, meaning you can anchor yourself into, um, you know, a, a feeling of connectedness with yourself and others and what you're doing. So, yeah, so how it sounds like what we really need right now is to, to accept ourselves fully as who we are and and try and do a little bit and know that we're never going to be we're not gods we're not going to be perfect or rather yeah, maybe think- as ernest becker says we are gods but we have anuses and we die so <laughs> yeah i love that
1: um yeah i mean i think it's a yeah it, it it's a it's a it's a nuanced kind of dialect i think there's a lot of room for for a transformation, there's a lot of room for acceptance. I think the problem arises when either of those things kind of like um gets out of whack, right? And either we gravitate towards one or the other with paying little attention to the other. So, you know, it's kinda like this Christian uh prayer that I like. It's like something along the lines like, you know, God give me the strength. To accept the change, the things that I can change, and to accept the things that I cannot change, and the wisdom to be able to discern something like something like that, you know, where we actually do have the capacity to self-reflect and have introspect, and mutually kind of, you know, hold each other accountable in certain things, and say like, hey, like you know, like you need to do better at this, and I I know that I can do better at that, and you know, I'm gonna make sure that I do my work, you know, to together, whatever that means, yeah, I mean, there's also different possible scenarios, I think it is important that people have the capacity to, to want to grow, yeah, I mean, by the end of the day, this, this is what it is, we have the gift of self-awareness, we have the mysterious and incomprehensible opportunity to experience consciousness, or be consciousness, or wonder about consciousness, or whatever the fuck is happening in the human experience, nobody really, understands, um, you know, and part of that is like, well, we also get to make choices about what kind of quality of experience we want to have, right? And what kind of quality of experience we want to, like, be able to offer others and so on and so forth. So obviously, you know, I, I do think that it's important that people have that capacity and that drive towards healing and growth in a basic sense. And, you know, something that I think is very important in this conversation is that this is never a diatribe a diatribe against healing or against therapy or against growth or against like therapeutic uses and medical. All of those things uh, have their place. I think they're important. It's just like, you know, all of it is really about the excesses of what happens when we take things way beyond the limits of what is useful and healthy. And we turned out into cults, right? So now we have kind of healing cults all over where you know there's dogmas and there's sacred cows and there's like proper ways of conducting oneself around certain things and certain words that you have to call things so you have to say medicine and you have to say you
0: know you ask like, hey, like, yeah
1: yeah like what is ayahuasca well i don't know is it a drug yeah you know what i mean that's kind of like, you know the most how dare you call ayahuasca how dare you call mother ayahuasca drug? is disrespectful no, no, no. okay well you know whatever i get it i understand your position but also it's not that calling it drug is wrong, right? It's just a different semantics, maybe, you know, but we're talking about human language and how we approach things, Um Anyway, maybe not the best example. I think like the point is like, just yeah, yeah, there is, there is points for, for transformation, growth, healing, like all those things. I think it's important that there are people who dedicate their lives towards creating the best environments possible for people to really be able and feel safe and dive deep into whatever it is that they want to do. And, you know, like those are sort of things that are important, but I think it's very important too, that we do have much better ways of articulating purpose and articulating, you know, kind of like the narratives that underlie, these places and the narratives that we tell about what this work is about and the narratives of, you know ultimately i think it's about you know like the narratives that they were self-reflective about why the ideological you know kind of like precepts um that oftentimes go unexamined that make their way into all of these things without ever really being giving a second thought right like there's so much so much that you know healing culture so much of healing culture that comes from like really wonky debunked ideas in pop psychology so much that comes from like really unhinged metaphysical nonsense it comes from the new age there's so much that comes from you know, uh, kind of like this out of balance, kind of like neoliberal
0: consumerist ways of thinking. You know, yeah. People, people... Give me a few examples.
1: Well, I mean you know, the neoliberal part is really just kind of like that race to the bottom of trauma, right? Like, well, I need to like devote all these resources and energy into like my own process and my navel gazing and my self-absorption and me, 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 kind of like that. The individual is the only thing that matters and everything is, else is an abstraction. Um, You know, that's kind of like one of the staples of healing culture. I mean, not for everybody, not all the time, but for the most part, it is kind of understood to be an extremely individualistic, personalized process where, again, like that kind of like cliche right like you know, the only thing that matters is your own personal transformation and so on and so forth so that's kind of mm-hmm. you know uh you know consumerism which is very easy to see you know like you have like all these retreats and all these ceremonies and there's always kind of like somebody selling you something and if you don't really realize that they're already kind of all integration sessions and you know coaching and you know you gotta do more retreats and more dietas because one is not enough and whatever it is that you want to achieve like if you want to like heal from that then you have to spend a month and then that's not gonna be enough because there's always somebody else something else is gonna come along and Mm -hmm. maybe you Mm -hmm. didn't maybe you ate something you shouldn't so you have to whatever there's like there's an endless carousel of services and products and things that are gonna always be you know aligned because it's never going to be enough and that's not only because of how the market is structured with like the same person kind of like in that loop of like endless self-absorption and entrepreneurship of the self yeah um pop psychology there's a lot i mean pop psychology popular psychology saying like you know i mean there's psychological ideas that Maybe they become very popular, but they're not necessarily universally accepted or at least accepted by not even the majority or a you know, significant group of you know people in that discipline that can actually validate like, well, you know, like this makes sense. There's a lot of ideas like that in healing culture, um, you know, in all sorts of different ways, you know, starting from the idea, for example, I think like one of the most significant ones is um, the controversy around um, recovered memories right which is kind of like a staple of ayahuasca work in psychedelics is this idea that if you drink ayahuasca it might shed light on you know like early childhood experiences and what actually happened when you were a child and you know and oftentimes people do experience that and was like whoa! i had like you know like how many times i facilitated workshops with people that were like um you know i kind of like have this memory that resurfaced in in ceremony where were were you know like this person my uncle or my father or like a person that i knew or like a, f- a friend from a family and i had like kind of like this vague memory of them kind of like sex- sexually assaulting me right um and this is an incredibly tricky thing to navigate because i mean what are you going to say to that person you're gonna obviously kind of will you know validate the experience to the extent of like how that felt and whether it felt was real but you can't you can't allow them to take things literally and say well you know that memory let's something it actually happened 100 and you need to go and confront that person and like go to the police i mean this is an incredibly tricky territory to navigate and there's a lot of i mean it should be kind of like pretty obvious that you know these things require a lot of nuance and interpretive qualities and critical thinking and under, understanding that you know recovered memories need to be taken with a huge grain of salt because even within kind of like the psychological disciplines there's a huge debate that has been raging for decades about the validity of recovered memories because i mean ayahuasca plant medicine is not the only technique that has kind of surfaced in the history of things that like purportedly kind of like allow you to kind of remember things that you suppress or repress and You know, but it turns out, um, well, maybe suppression and repression are not actual real phenomena. You know, maybe that kind of psychoanalytic concepts that we take for granted. And I mean, we tend to think like, well, something was really painful or difficult during childhood. And, you know, it was so difficult to bear that we have to suppress it. So we don't remember it. But the impact is still there and the trauma is still there. And then some point during adulthood, if you tap into the right place with the right substance or the right technique, you might be able to actually remember what actually happened. And uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Very likely, no. I mean, we do know that memory works in, you know, very tricky ways. We know that most of our memories are confabulations, that we never really remember things the way that they happen, that our memory is extremely fallible, that our imagination plays a huge role in how we remember things, that the narratives and ideas and identities that we have about ourselves and the world greatly structure what we think are objective memories. So there's a whole range of things that can go wrong in that scenario when a person thinks that they lived something that actually happened and maybe they did, maybe it didn't and how do you approach that so you know that's just one example i mean recovered memory is a huge 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 um debate yeah uh, and controversy that's still happening within psychology but again like one of the staples of plant medicine work right like well you right. need to work on your childhood trauma and this is the key to unlock those memories Sure, uh, yeah. very dangerous, very dangerous.
0: Yeah, I think about like uh people that have um, you know, UFO abductee reports and and things like that as well and then also things that happen in dreams. You know, yes. and and how that, you know, my my interpretation uh and I'm not like set in this way, but I think it makes sense to me is that a lot of things that happen in dreams are a lot of things are just kind of like representations, like using a person because that person represents something to you. It doesn't mean that that person actually did that thing or it will do that thing, but they, they represent something to you. They evoke something to you and it's your body, your mind's way of making, you know, shining a light on something or telling a story or whatever. I don't, that, that's just one aspect. Uh, of course, there's also like uh, different, different interpretations, but But yeah, I mean, it's it's just it is a tricky thing when we start diving into the mind and into, you know, the the endless abyss. And then and how how do we interpret that? The frameworks that we use, the context, uh, who we are in our lives and what our ideologies are and beliefs and our perceptions all influence all that stuff. So, yeah, it's a it's a murky. Yeah,
1: it is very murky and very tricky to navigate and, you know, very important, very important that we develop capacities for critical thinking. There's a quote that I oftentimes like to use, right? Like, maybe um, Wilson, E.O. Wilson was mm. um biologist who recently died and he used to say something along the lines like, the real problem with humanity is that uh, we have paleolithic emotions medieval institutions and god-like technology Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of like a way of saying like you know we we haven't really developed the capacity to use our technology very wisely which Mm -hmm. i think is very true when it comes to psychedelics and plant medicines i think we have like this incredible key that unlocks you know this dimension of experience that is ineffable and mind-boggling but we don't really know what's the best use for it. And we tend to either misuse it or reduce it to something. um, You know, there's a little bit of underwhelming for what it really can be. And, you know, I think it is very important that there are people that are pointing these things out because as psychedelics expand and plant-based expands and more people are drawn to it, we need to also like really create frameworks where people can develop critical thinking s- skills and better epistemologies around these things and better ways of thinking about frameworks about how to use these substances and plant medicines and what integration can be like integration is always kind of like the Achilles heel you know it's kind of like the magic word. it's kind of like the thing that everybody's kind of throwing up around and nobody really knows what it means uh, integration is never gonna be anything as long as it is still within the medicalized hyper individualistic framework, which is ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Amen. It doesn't Amen.
1: matter what kind of transformative insight you think you have, it's never going to matter if you go back to being exploited 60 hours a week, <laughs> working a job <laughs> yeah. that you hate right. just to pay rent right you know and you're lonely and you don't have a sense of community and you don't really see a way out of kind of the socioeconomic predicament and you know your anxiety is not really resolved because maybe your anxiety is not really about you know kind of childhood trauma maybe your anxiety is at least partly justified because you're living a dying planet and you don't know what the fuck is going to happen in 10 years 20 years with global warming and the ice caps melting and nuclear war i mean we live in really 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 Tricky times. And I mean, any person, and he's like, well, turn off the news. I like, don't listen to the news, you know, which is fine. But you know, by the end yeah. of the day, like I think everybody everybody has an intuition.
0: You yeah. Know, or I mean, personally, people- Adam, I, I just think that you're just you're there's too many negative vibes right now. So um I think <laughs>
1: you,
0: I think that you just need to sit with that and go inward and um right. <laughs> but you're totally right, man. I mean, this has been the one thing that I, I sort of get frustrated with because I say I mean, I go back to the quote, the famous quote that I overuse all the time by Christian Murdy is like, it's no measure of health to be yeah. well adjusted to it profoundly insane and sick society. It's like, what good is it to offer people? Uh, well, I shouldn't say what good it is but it, but it serves it serves a purpose, but it's not the whole picture. We can't. We can't just be these isolated machines, these drones, these robots, these slaves in this system. If we're not pushing the envelope to change things on a fundamental, institutional, infrastructural level.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Awesome. Well, <laughs> oh, you said something to me that was interesting. You, uh, you said. I remember when we were talking about healing from healing a while ago. You said that your. Uh, uh, calling i believe was that you believe that the people are whole and complete
1: yeah my calling is people are whole and they remember who
0: they are okay they're whole and they remember who they are yeah and great so based upon that what would an ideal situation look like uh in the this healing community how would how can we move forward in a way like what would be your ideal dream vision landscape environment for people
1: well i mean first foremost that calling is i think not relevant anymore i haven't really thought about it that much but it doesn't sound right it doesn't sound like i have a it doesn't sound like i want to have a calling at all to tell you the truth i think the. i mean i, I do I have worked with a few people that their main concern or the main thing that they struggle with. When I see people every week, several people every week, and I do get a lot of people that come with existential concerns about purpose sure. and meaning. And well, I,
0: I I came to you for that. We worked together. I came to you for right. sort of. I was in a state of like existential paralysis and uh, yeah, yeah, disenchantment. Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, I mean, I I I do have, I do, I mean, I do understand the importance for people to to feel like that unique sense of agency in the world and what is the thing that really lights them up and what I want to do. And lately, I tend to do things a little bit differently. Like lately, I do try to encourage people to start thinking about things in a different light. Not necessarily about like what is the unique thing that I can do to embody the best version of my central character syndrome in the universe, as it were, Um, but rather like things that actually get them out of their own heads and out of that narrative that everybody has to have like a unique calling and a unique purpose and everybody has to kind of i mean we, we live in a marvel multiverse with a cinematic epistemology where everybody's kind of <laughs> like the superhero of their own story and uh, everybody else is just yeah. like a supporting actor in our scene of you know 15 minutes of fame and like this is like this is like the cinematic epistemology framework is good and it's very real. Like we do tend to have a tendency to see ourselves as the central character of the universe and everybody else. It's kind of a very solipsistic approach, right? Where everything, where and if nothing really exists outside of our own minds. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when people come to me with questions around that, uh, lately I tend to do things a bit differently. And first of all, try and kind of get them out of their head and like examine the premises. Of that need, like, 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 really reframe. Why? I mean, what do you even feel that you have to have a unique purpose? What isn't? Because that's, I mean, one thing when you look at it, I mean, that's a kind of very uniquely Western, postmodern uh, need. Like yeah. if you go to the Amazon rainforest, you know, you ask like a Shapiro person, for example, like what is like your individual calling in life? I mean, this kind of like a very force, I mean, we've actually done that in the Amazon. It was an incredibly forced process. They don't think in those terms. If you really force them and press them to, they will come up with something, like something, you know, people experience joy or people are happy or you know, something like really basic because you know they 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 don't they don't don't like the 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 perception of personhood the perception of agency the perception of individuality the perception of our place in the world is very different we have a very unique one again which is very cinematic it's very multiverse kind of like yeah um they don't they, they, there isn't that need like I don't have to be like the ultimate healer I don't have to be like a rock star shaman I don't have to be like a breathwork. I mean it's enough that I'm part of my community that my community is healthy that I provide a service that I provide for my community that I if I'm the person that you know reaps the yuca or makes the masato or tills the soil or even you know provides ayahuasca or cooks for others i mean that's my role in community and the only purpose and calling and meaning in my life is to do that in the best way that i can to be happy with you know other people i mean there isn't much more than that and it's not that's not like a you know uh, colonial imperialist like oh like just like no i mean that's just like the way things are like being is enough yeah, and mm. I think that's kind of like the I think that's kind of the bottom line that I try to get with people like yeah I mean we do live in a world that kind of pushes us towards that but it's not necessary it's not intrinsic to the human condition that you have to find what it is you know like being is enough and if you're a good friend if you're a good family member if you're like you know if you enjoy what you do I mean you all sure you can do better but if you really want to find purpose and meaning again, you know, like get out of your own head and go do something for somebody else, like find an animal shelter in your area, find a psychiatric inpatient world where people are really, you know, in the depths of psychic suffering, find, you know, a soup kitchen, like go do something for somebody else and start thinking about things in a different light. Yeah. That's, that's more or less kind of where I'm at right now.
0: Great. I love it. Yeah. And cause we have been sort of like uh, seduced, by like everybody can be a ceo kind of mentality everybody can be an entrepreneur everybody's got to be the greatest everybody's got to be the best seven habits of highly successful people think and grow rich like so you know i think all this stuff kind of started in the turn of the the 20th century right like somewhere around that time maybe it took off after world war ii because we were living in like this this time out of time where we just had this mass production. Everything was like the American dream. Like, you know, we're the age of the future, the world of the future. Like we're going to the stars. We're Everybody's going to have a white picket fence and all that kind of stuff. But there was a time in American culture where it was just like, you just do something and just be a good person and have fun. Like what mediocrity, maybe you can call it. I don't know. Simplicity, but. What's so I personally don't think that there's anything so bad about that. i I enjoy doing this podcast. I don't need to be Joe Rogan. I enjoy um, you know, all the things that I do. and I don't necessarily need to be like number one. And yeah, s- there's still this pressure that I feel unconsciously to do more, be better. yeah, make more better be the best oh i got a positive review someone said something really nice oh that's great makes you feel good like but there's just this kind of like general basic satisfaction that i also enjoy and um yeah i i i live that way uh and i try yeah it's it, it almost seems like that way of living is being pressed out you know it's like the 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 middle class, like average, like you you work, you know, 30, 40 hours a week, you come home, you relax, you could turn your phone off, you don't have to answer email. That sort of way of being seems to be eroding for a lot of people. And then yeah. it puts a lot of pressure to be this other thing. I, I hear people all the time, and it's like, Do you really want to be that thing? Or do you just think that you want to be that thing? Yes. Are you just happy with why can't we just be happy? you know with a tuna sandwich for lunch and uh and talking to some friends
1: (laughs) yeah i mean that's there's so many different ways in which the system keeps you running the rat wheel right like there's there's all these different techniques and cultural manipulations that keep us participating in 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 exploitation and more increasingly increasingly so self-exploitation right so that idea of purpose and meaning i think is one of them and actually that's something that ends up causing more stress and more suffering for people because they can't really figure that out, right? It's like I am being told that I should have like a unique purpose, that I should be like this person, that I should be driven by passion. And maybe that's that's just not who I am. And yet there's like this huge weight about the stress of having to perform that when maybe, you know, it's kind of like a made-up thing. Yeah. You know, so this is kind of one of those many ways, like homelessness, right? Like homelessness in, in the United States, in North America. Um, it's not a it's not a bug. It's a feature. You know, like homeless people are there by design to scare the shit out of the middle class, so they can keep running the rat wheel. That's, right, that's the yeah. whole point. So yeah. you know, they well, I don't want to live in a society where people don't care about homelessness. Like, well, okay, well, I mean, you you know, you have to can kind of completely get out of that system because that's the incentive that other people will have to actually do keep running it because they don't want to end up like that. You yeah. Know, so. It's a good reason why that happens.
0: It's amazing because there's this there's this strange thing that happens with this built-in feature, where it's almost impossible. Like I I feel powerless to do anything, you know. On one hand, and I'm like I'm grateful that I am where I am and that I have what I have. But also, you know, I've sometimes encountered people where I talk. I'm talking about this kind of thing. They're like, well, why don't you do something about it? I'm like, yeah. well, well, what am I going to do? I mean, this is we're up against an insurmountable odds in a certain sense. So something has to sort of like break or change. There has to be some kind of dramatic shift, I think. And this is intrinsically linked to the individual communal healing or, or rather the, the individual um, healing, because it, one way or another, you've got to face the you've got to be a part of the world. You know, and the, and the, wor- the world isn't going to individually heal. So there, you got to somehow take that into the world somehow. I don't know. What do you think? Because I, I think that this I, we've probably talked about this before, but I really just don't think that we're going to get the message and turn the ship around. I think we're going to hit the iceberg. I think we already hit the
1: iceberg. just don't fully <laughs> know it yet the bands
0: playing yeah we're all like oh that's nice music i think I mean, you're that's
1: right. not that's not just me yeah i mean there's kind of kind of kind of consensus amongst climate environmental climate scientists environmental scientists and people in relevant fields that you know pretty much kind of like we're past the window of opportunity for anything that is reversible right we're, we're already fell from the precipice we just haven't hit the ground so we, we just yeah felt we,
0: it. right right right
1: right so um, you know, I mean, I I try to not get into a overly apocalyptic mindset because I don't think it's healthy for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I went I through I that.
0: Right. I'm not. I'm not going there necessarily. I'm just saying that, like, the the change that we so badly want to see actually probably isn't going. The healing isn't going to happen until we feel it on a an, an, until we feel it on a collective level. Yeah. Till it hits, well, it, it hits it, home.
1: I think, like, also, like, you know, like for me, saying, like, we haven't really felt that it's a, you know, that comes from a place of huge privilege because there's other places in the world where that's fully felt. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the deserts of Pakistan and India reaching like 50 degrees Celsius every summer. The ice caps are melting. There's all sorts of very, very, very felt consequences of climate collapse happening in other parts of the world. For sure, we don't have the privilege of having these conversations in a more abstract level. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I think like what you mean, or what I think you mean, what I would mean is that uh, we're not gonna like realize that until the effects are felt also and even in the midst of you know western industrial society and even our barriers of privilege are not enough to shield us from it and you know food scarcity is going to be a thing and water wars are going to be a thing and who knows right i mean there probably already are in all sorts of different ways that we're not aware of Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. i don't remember who it was but there was there was a probably was a spiritual teacher or somebody and somebody asked uh if you know if you knew that the world was about to end what would you do right and the answer was um, i would plant a tree and i think that's something that i kind of like always keep in mind you know that whatever it is it we do in this time and age is not necessarily for the sake of what the results of it would be in the long term or what our survival chances are gonna be like just like the the act of doing things despite the odds and despite the chances as an act of beauty and poetry and rebellion in itself it's like i mean fuck it i'm having i'm having a kid in a couple of weeks you know <laughs> right. which is something which is something that i for so many years I, was, I dreaded and i was so afraid of and my main fear was always why the fuck am i gonna bring a child to this world and what kind mm. of world am i gonna Leave for her behind, you know, and what kind of like person would do that? Like, what kind of how responsible you need to be, right? To be aware of the magnitude of the predicament that we face collectively and still have the audacity to bring another person that is going to have to deal with that bullshit in the future. Um, and here I am, you know, about to become a father, and it was planned, so I don't even have the excuse of that being a mistake or anything. It was planned and it was a decision that we made. And I think the rationale was something similar, you know, like somebody's going to have to deal with that. Uh, You know, it's going to be me for sure. It's going to happen in my lifetime. I imagine Um, there's going to be a new generation of people. And I think like, you know, the thing that really balanced the the decision-making process, uh, and maybe this is a rationalization, I think it might be a rationalization, but the thing that really balanced the, tipped the balance when we're trying to make, sense of family was the idea that because I don't see any viable solutions, and I don't have much hope that humanity is going to make it through, it doesn't mean that other people wouldn't see them. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that they don't exist. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something about our generation that we probably don't have the right eyes, or the right way of making sense of data, or the right way of addressing existential threats. That there's kind of like a general sense of despair. Mm. Uh, but because we can't imagine solution, it doesn't mean that they're not there. You know, It doesn't mean that somebody else would not. And if anybody can do that, it's going to probably be a different generation, a generation that's not going to have the privilege that we have to be distracted by Will Smith slapping Chris Rock and all sorts <laughs> of like different, completely irrelevant garbage tainment bits and pieces. Yeah. From the moment they're born and the moment they breathe, they're going to have to deal 100% of the time with coming up with solutions to existential predicaments. So that's my hope, you know. I mean, it's a big task. I know it may be unjust, but that's the world that she's gonna have to deal with. And I have hope that maybe, you know, I know me, I know Jen. I think we can do a good job in translating. Yeah, I think you know. guys are
0: gonna do a great job. Yeah, it's, and I think of it as like the fusing together of two people that creates this this one person from the two that you know then can sit in the shade of the tree that you're planting. So exactly you know, I think that's great. Awesome, man. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I could always talk to you, uh, you know, for hours and hours, uh, getting get going, but healing from healing, yeah. go to healing from healing.com.
1: Yeah. Healing from healing.com is a website where there's, you know, there's a blog that is updated semi-regularly and there's a little more info about, you know, work that I do contacting for people who want to reach out,
0: mm-hmm. seeing people for, individually
1: yeah consultations or longer term integration processes so on and so forth there's also different configurations Uh, i'm happy to work right now i don't have a whole bunch of space but i definitely can consider um you know like adding one or more one or two people to my to my schedule Uh, and the instagram page really which is where i put most of the memes and texts and so on and so forth
0: yeah, I feel like the Instagram page is a good representation of of who you are too, because you you include a lot of humorous imagery and uh, playfulness to it, which is much needed. I always appreciate that very much. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Go check out Healing from Healing. Mike Adelic, of course. give us a rating on Spotify and on uh, Apple Pods as well. and uh, consider joining the Patreon. All the links are in the show notes, show description. Thank you very much. Till next time, peace. Hey, hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Go check out Adam's stuff. Go check out my stuff. Leave us uh, ratings, reviews, give us support. Uh, do the things that you do in the world when you like something and make it digital because that's the way that uh, this thing works. And consider becoming a Patreon. Uh, Go, uh, (laughs) I keep saying that. Consider becoming a Patreon. Consider, you know, really monetizing your business so that you can rival Patreon and become another Patreon. Become a a mega corporation. Become a patron. Links in the show notes, show description. Check it out. Leave us five stars on Spotify and Apple Pods. Love you. Bye.